This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Wanders. We've got some big stuff to cover today. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The debate this week. I spent a whole day, a whole day rewatching that debate and pulling out some moments that I think are valuable. We can take forward, that we can learn a little bit from. It's always nice to learn from a dumpster fire. And we're going to talk about Trump's COVID situation a little bit, even though we don't have a lot of information, but shit, our fucking president has COVID. What the fuck? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. But before, let's do a little housekeeping. Let's do a little housekeeping before we get into this. I want to apologize for taking some time off. Um, Elk season came around and something I've been preparing for for a long time. It took a lot of time, and I was in the woods a lot, and I thought maybe, you know, I'll be able to keep up on what's going on and be able to put these shows together. Did not happen. I will plan better for next year. This is uh, new for me. You know, I started this when COVID started just to to do something uh, that I felt could be productive and maybe could go somewhere, and I had no idea the amount of time that I would spend on researching and trying to you know, when you're new at something like this, and this is a new thing for me, um, I've, I've talked about this stuff and I have conversations with my friends about this stuff all the time, but I wanted to confront my own bias and, and try to create as much objectivity as I could throughout the show. And that takes a fuck ton of time, way more time than I thought it was going to take as far as researching and listening to, to various opinions and um, developing more substantial understanding and and even more substantial opinions um, on certain topics. So it's taken a, a ton of time and and I knew that I needed to make some changes. So we've done some things. We've done some things a little they're a little different here. We're trying to to upgrade as much as we can. And with elk season and everything going on, um shit just got kind of kind of out of hand. And I sat down to do this numerous times and it just wouldn't come out. But I knew the debate was going to be um, something worth talking about, and I had no idea it was going to be the shit show that it was, and I'm glad that we're able to do that, but I do want to apologize for um, for taking so much time off, because I know that this show is picking up some steam, and I don't want to lose that momentum, baby. I don't want to lose it. So we're not going to do uh, something to think about on this episode. We are just going to break down, uh, mostly spend a lot a lot of time breaking down the debate. And one thing I want to give you a heads up going into the breakdown of the debate. Uh, I was doing some, I was kind of over looking over the aftermath of the debate. I was looking over the aftermath of the, of the debate and thinking, okay, what's the left saying? What's the right saying? What are they picking out? Because debates are so often, you see this a lot of times in the primary they're trying to get these like punchy one-liners out that can be tweeted and shared and go viral. And that's, that's more important. And the way it can be framed after the, after the debate is more important than the debate itself oftentimes. Uh, and we're going to go into that a little bit as well. But this whole situation, looking at the left and the right, I noticed that, that so, many, so many clips were being taken out of context, which is not new. This is, this is the same old shit. Um, but taking these clips out of context and 
in running the narrative they need to run. So what I'm going to be doing is actually playing more of full clips. So it's going to be longer for sure, but we're going to get both sides of an argument of a situation. And we're going to, we're going to look into what was impactful, maybe what got overlooked in, and some of the most, what I felt like were the most important parts of the debate, but it may run a little bit long. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to be as surprised as you are as how long this thing goes, but I think we're going to have a good time with it. And I also want to let everybody know, uh, you know, at first I want to thank everyone who listens to this show, follows me on Instagram. Um, one of the other reasons things kind of went off the rails is because we had um, our puppy Remy. I don't know if you guys follow me on Instagram and kind of keep up with, he was the majority of my, of my content production. Um, our puppy was, was in an accident and, and he, he passed away and that really um, wrecked me, wrecked Kelly, kind of wrecked our household and. I could be honest with you. I, I had no, it was hard for me to actually give a fuck about any of the stuff that, that was going on. Like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, the Supreme court. Like I would open up my computer after that happened, the week after it happened and try to put something together. Or I, I, one of the things that I think makes this show good. And, and I hope this show is good is that I really do care about the stuff I talk about. I, I avoid talking about stuff and I'll even tell you, like, I just don't care about this. I don't feel it's important, so I skip it, even though it may be mainstream news. Um, but when I would try to put something together for this show after that happened, um, shit, when I would try and go elk hunting after that happened, like I just had a hard time uh, giving a fuck about uh, even things that I'm, I'm, I'm relatively passionate about. So I want to appreciate everybody or just share my appreciation with you for reaching out. So many people sent nice messages and just were so supportive uh, th with us throughout that time. And, and I know a lot of people listening to that show uh, were the ones in the DMs and, and, and sharing that love. So I really do appreciate that. And, and I wanted to put that out there because it's been, uh, it's been really hard um, here, and surprisingly hard, um, kind of coping with that and, and feeling like our house is empty and not having as much <laughs> chaos that we've gotten accustomed to um, around the house. So. I appreciate everybody for that. So thank you so much for, for being supportive and sending us some love um, and being patient as we, as we kind of recover from that and get moving forward. Also, during that time, or right before that actually all happened, I set up um, a Patreon. So we've got a Patreon now. It's the Connor Wanders Patreon. But as most of you know, I host two podcasts. So I have Connor Wanders, which you're listening to right now. You obviously know about that. But uh, the realness as well, the realness has been going on. It's more of an irreverent personal development show. Um, we get into politics as well on there, but it's all interviews, not solo stuff. So this is my solo show where I talk about things that I'm thinking about, curious about, interested in. That one is an interview show where I do basically the same thing, but with someone else. <laughs> so what I did on the Patreon and what we're, we're forming it up, and I'm going to be completely honest, I'm just learning this Patreon thing. It's been really fun. Um, so what we're doing is putting all the ad free, um, episodes of the realness on the Patreon. So you'll have the realness and Connor wanders on one personal podcast feed. So this podcast will go out on that feed and the feed you're listening to right now, unless you're already on the Patreon in which I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Um, so you'll have both shows that I do on that one feed. And I also, you know, it's just getting started, but want to create a place in the Patreon community where we're able to have the kind of discussions that I feel like aren't, we're not able to have in our day-to-day -day lives. Like, I'm really grateful that I am surrounded by people who 
can have challenging discussions and we can bring up things that if you tweeted, you would get canceled for. And uh, that, you know, maybe topics of race or politics or the state of the world, the state of things um, in a way that is we've kind of created an environment around ourselves where we can have those kind of discussions. But I know that a lot of you don't have that. And that was really something that that inspired me to put together the Patreon so that we could open up a place to have dialogue where I'm essentially the I'm, I'm the police of Patreon, right? If you come in there with your racist, nationalistic bullshit, like I will fucking kick your ass out. I don't need your $4.50 a month that bad. Okay. But if you want to come in and have ask real questions and have real dialogue without the threat of being canceled, um, I wanted to have that space. I wanted to create that space. So patreon.com slash Connor Wanders. Right now there's only one tier. It's $4.50 a month. That's like the price of, I think my coffee was $6 this morning. So it's like, it's less than a cup of nitro cold brew, <laughs> but check that out. I really appreciate it because the thing behind that is that I didn't want to, I didn't want to move towards advertising in this show. Um, and if I do, I wanted to give everyone that didn't want to deal with ads on this show and the realness, um, the opportunity to not have to listen to those because they can be disruptive. Sometimes, honestly, you throw an ad in the middle of a show. It's like kind of, uh, I don't love doing it, but we got to do what we got to do. And I'd rather have another way to monetize this because one thing that's different about this show in full transparency than the realness is I don't really have to prepare for the realness very much. I'm having a conversation with somebody. I understand the topics. I understand the person. That's the extent of my preparation. When it comes to this show, I'm watching um, the debate essentially three times and it's two hours long and pulling clips and researching. So it becomes, you know, one show ends up being 10 hours of work, which I realized, didn't realize that was going to be the case because I was just going to make fun of political ads and, and the fuckery that happens on the daily basis. But as things go, you get more passionate about a thing and here we are. So with the amount of time I wanted to give people the opportunity to support the show. So if you click the link is in the show notes, check it out. Jump on there. Bear with me as we learn. One thing that I love about Patreon is that it gives us the option to live stream. So we wanted to live stream this debate. We're not able to make it happen because we're figuring out the tech on the back end. But by the next debate, if Trump is not dead, um, and even if he is dead and we have Pence in there, <laughs> we'll be able to live stream the debate. We're going to have a green screen. And if you are in the Patreon community, you're going to be able to chime in. Now, it will be streaming on YouTube as well, but I'm going to prioritize the comments of the Patreon community throughout the debate. So that's something we're working on right now. We've got a few things in the mail to make all that technology work. I thought we had it all, but we don't. We got to figure it out. We're spending a lot of time making that happen with the Soul Fire team. So Keep that in mind, and I think that'll do it for housekeeping. Check out the Patreon. $4.50 a month. You can support the show. Once we get to 100 patrons, get to 100, where we've got a ways to go, I'm going to open up another tier, and we're going to do an extra episode per week. So we got Monday, The Realness, Wednesday, Connor Wanders, and then there will be a bonus Patreon-only episode where I will likely be taking in the Patreon uh, calls. So we'll be having voicemails played because I have all this cool equipment now. Voicemails played, taking any questions and just bouncing things around, having a great time. And we'll likely do that live as well. So you can be a part of it. And hopefully, hopefully my goal, if we can get there, is taking in live calls. 
So something I've always like old school radio hosts, uh, taking in calls, seeing what's going on. You can call me a fucking asshole if you want. Maybe it, it's worth 450 for you to just call me a fucking asshole in the Patreon community. I'm okay with that because let's be true. Let's be real here. I'm kind of a fucking asshole sometimes. Anyways, guys, this has been, this is, this is a fun, going to be a fun episode. It's going to be long. We're going to get into it, but I tried to really have some discernment as far as what was going on um, with, with, the, with the debate and uh, what was of substance. So with that, let's get into the state of things. All right, Donald Trump has been um, diagnosed with COVID-19, the China plague. He's got it. He's got it. Holy shit. Now, Hope Hicks, uh, one of his colleagues, advisors, um, came out as having COVID. She came out of the COVID closet uh, just a couple days ago. And she's been working in close proximity. She was in the plane on the way to Ohio for the debate, all that fun stuff. So they've been in close quarters. And what people don't know and what I've been um, learning from um, political commentators who spend time in the White House is the West Wing is very cramped and kind of a shit show. Very poor ventilation. You're in there shoulder to shoulder. Trump doesn't like wearing a mask. Of course, everybody gets tested kind of, but, you know, incubation periods and all that shit. So anyways, this guy and his wife have COVID. I feel like we're living in a goddamn Rick and Morty episode right now. This is fucking insane. I mean, it's almost like I had a feeling this was going to happen. This whole like Trump getting COVID. It just, it just seemed to make sense karmically like the way that he spoke about it, the way that it's been handled and, and, and you can like Trump or not like Trump, whatever. But to think that he handled this virus appropriately is, is, is an illusion, uh, maybe some delusion, but Looking at this, this is really, really interesting. And, I, and I'm trying to, we have very limited information. They're not sharing that much. And, and I really wish they were giving us kind of a play by play, but he is showing mild symptoms at this point. Trump is not a healthy guy. Okay. I know a thing or two about health. I'm not a doctor by any means, but Trump is not a healthy guy. So this opens up like this just turns what has been the craziest fucking year up to 11. Will the, will the future debates happen? Will this be the only debate we get? People are already voting. Is there going to be a sympathy vote for Trump? Are people going to vote for him because they think he's dying? I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. It's very, very interesting stuff here. Now, he's in the, he, to me, he has a lot of risk factors. He's a, he's a thick boy, kind of pudgy. You know, he drinks a lot of Diet Coke. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's likely that the, that the president could die of COVID-19. And that would be a big story. That, there's a lot there. And here's it, something that Joe Rogan's talked about quite a bit on his show with the people. That he, and he knows a lot of people who travel a lot and do a lot of performances and around a lot of people. Is it seems like. And having these epidemiologists on and different things, he's done actually a really good job um, sharing information about this and having long-form discussions, which you don't normally get on MSNBC, Fox, CNN, etc. 
Rogan's had these longer form discussions. It's been really interesting to see these. And he talks about the people that he knows that were impacted heavily by COVID, maybe were on a ventilator or in the ICU, people that were run down and traveling a lot. Uh, Michael Yo was one. He, was, he had an audition. He had a couple shows. Um, I guess he's a comedian, actor. I'm not really familiar with the dude. He had to travel to see his wife's family. Like he was just traveling, run down, drinking a little bit, um, you know, going coast to coast, changing time zones for a few weeks and then got COVID because he was in New York, uh, flew back to LA, got COVID, almost died. Now that to me seems very similar to what Trump has done with his campaign schedule, which actually makes Biden look really good because Biden's been hiding in the basement. Okay, Biden's been hiding in the basement. That's what that's what that's been the right wing narrative. They don't want Biden to get out of the basement and the Democrats don't want Biden to get out of the basement because Biden's poll numbers were increasing the more he hid in his little basement. So what they're going to be able to do what the Democrats can be able to do is leverage that and be like, see, we fucking told you this is why. And Trump taught we're going to talk about it throughout the debate here. Trump was ripping on. Biden for not having, not having, being able to get crowds at rallies and not doing rallies. And this, he was kind of ripping into shreds. And now Trump's got to eat some crow here because that's likely where he contracted COVID or his staffer contracted COVID and was, and, and then gave it to him, right? Flying on the, on Air Force One and being, you know, in close quarters. So the, the Democrats are going to be able to, and do, there's a, there's a way they're going to be able to do this with some sort of, They've got to have some sort of grace with this because they don't want to be just, it's not going to make them look good to just talk shit about the president, but they have this epic, I told you so. I'm going to say, hey, this is why we didn't do rallies. This is why we try to do as many things as we can remotely. This is the exact reason. And this guy got COVID. Donald Trump got COVID because he was irresponsible. He was irresponsible with himself, with his staff, and with the American people. And what impact is that going to have on undecided voters? Now, Trumpers are going to be Trumpers, and that's it, right? They're, they're going to be, they're digging their heels in more and more each day. Everything the guy does, that's not changing. But for people like me, who are basically mm, third party or Joe Biden, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, then you say, okay, well, I, and it's, I've been trying, I've been looking for opportunities to be compelled to vote for Joe Biden. I had David Pakman on my other show. Um, just trying to figure out, like, somebody talked me into it, convinced me. And the, the debate did a pretty good, decent job. And more because Trump made himself look terrible um, and embarrassing than Biden did a good job. But, you know, it is what it is. But looking at how this is going to be leveraged is more, I think the leverage of, that this gives the Democrats is probably the most impactful thing unless Trump gets really, really sick. So really interesting stuff here. Curious how this is going to play out. But the fact that he was sleeping four hours a night, traveling all over the country, being around a lot of people, um, even though they were doing the rallies outside, you got to think his staff is around. The staff that's close to him is going to be in uh, the bullpen with, with journalists. They're going to be close to other people. Like it's just, it's just a breeding ground for a virus. It just makes sense. If it was flu season, it'd be the same type of deal. Of course, it's not as deadly, but... It's just the way it goes. So the Democrats are going to have a fuck ton of leverage if they handle it appropriately, which I don't really think that they're going to. I don't have a lot of confidence in them handling it appropriately, but they get a lot of leverage from the fact that the president of the United States being irresponsible led to him having 
COVID-19. So thoughts and prayers or whatever to COVID, to, to, to Trump and his situation. Like, I guess I hope for the best. I, I, I don't, I don't care that much. I'm not like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I just hope, I hope that he's okay. I, I don't really give a fuck if I'm being honest with you. Like if he lives or dies, like, and that's to me, I can sit here and be like, that's what, that's what the pundit would say. Right? Like we hope the best for his family. Like I hope as much the best for his family as any other family in America. I don't think that they're any more valuable than any other family in America. So to the extent that I've cared about the 209,000 people who have died already, that's, that's the extent that I care about Donald Trump and Melania and their family. So it is what it is, but the, the consequences of this are what I'm more interested in. Maybe I'm a cold-hearted bastard, but at least I'm fucking honest. Now, with that being said, let, let's just get, let's get into, let's get into the debate. All right, the debate. I'm going to start this thing off with my initial thoughts after watching twice. Um, so the first time was really hard. The first time watching was really hard to take it all in. And I don't expect any of you, any of you to watch this thing twice. Just don't. Okay, that's what I'm here for. All right? <laughs> that's why we do what we do. Um, so... My initial thoughts were that Biden held his own. Biden held his own. He started a little soft, but he kind of turned it up there a little bit as time went on. And I was actually kind of proud of him. He was coherent. Of course, he every kind of lapse in speech that there was on the Biden side could actually be attributed to a stutter. And that's the thing. That's the kind of the excuse. Like, oh, he has a stutter. It's not actually dementia or, or any cognitive issues. It's a stutter. In this situation, yes, I think any any kind of blips as far as his speech were st- more stuttery than they were dementia e. Okay, and Trump, Trump is an asshole, right? Trump knows he's an asshole. Trump supporters know he's an asshole. Trump supporters like him because he's an asshole. But the the type of asshole that he presented himself as at the debate was not fun. It wasn't very funny, and it wasn't really palatable, even for myself, who kind of enjoyed the fact that he was ripping Hillary Clinton to shreds and making fun of Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush. Like, I enjoyed that stuff was charismatic in a way and kind of relatable, but the type of asshole that Trump was, and Trump's always going to be an asshole. That's his thing. That's his shtick. But the type of asshole he was on the stage, on the debate stage with Joe Biden was just an asshole. Like it just not, not the cut. Like there's a type of asshole. Like I'm an asshole and I'm an asshole to a point where I'm an asshole in the way that I'll stand up for my values, right? What Mark Manson would call an ethical asshole. I I present myself in a way that is asshole-ish to prove a point, to display what I feel is important, and that's kind of my method of communication. Trump is very similar to that, and I feel a lot of ways. One of the shadow sides of that is sometimes you can just be a fucking dick, and that's what this seemed like. And I think one of the reasons, I tried to unpack that a little bit, I think one of the reasons is because Hillary Clinton sucks. Everyone hated Hillary Clinton. I hate Hillary Clinton. You probably hate Hillary Clinton. Okay, it's easy. 
It's easy to hate Hillary Clinton. So when he's beating up on her or he's beating up on Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or these like conservative douchebags, it's, it's almost like he's punching up, right? It's like, it's not that big of a, it's funny. It's, it's entertaining. But Biden is much of a, uh, 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 as much as Joe Biden's record and kind of personal history, I wouldn't even say personal history, but political history is kind of meh. He doesn't have that same type of douchiness that makes it fun for someone to shit on him. And we're going to get into that a little bit more as we play the clips here, but I looked at this and one of the biggest barometers for this, when I look, whenever I see something like this, like I have my own bias, I don't pretend to be unbiased, but my mother lives in a small town in Texas. She's a Trump supporter. She's not like a Trumper. She doesn't have like a make America great again hat or sticker on her car. She's not that type, but she is a Republican and she feels, um, she feels that that represents her values um, as far as being pro-life and Christian and these kind of things that that represents her values best. So I use her as kind of my like real world conservative barometer. So when I talked to her, she was like, oh my God, Trump did not do a good job. <laughs> like Trump did not do a good job. That was awful. And it was, it was almost like she was saying that Biden won without saying it. Like just her saying that. Um, and she, tr it was funny. She said that and then tried to like rationalize why that was afterwards, but it just wasn't holding up. And she was catching herself trying to, trying to put the pieces together to make Trump look better. But it was really fun to watch and kind of difficult for her. And then we get to this whole discussion about libertarianism and yada, 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 and free markets and where markets are appropriate and socialism. We have these fun discussions. It's really nice to have those with your mom. But I think that the end result of this is a very strong case, a very strong case for settling for Joe Biden. And that's really what it is. It's either you're voting for Trump, you're voting third party, you're not voting at all, or you're settling for Joe Biden. But the movement to settle for Joe Biden, I mean, shit, there's an Instagram account called Settle for Biden that is hilarious, um, is strong. And it's a very valid case, it's a strong case. They should, they should use that more. I think the Biden, the Biden administration or the Biden kind of campaign community is knows that that is a very strong case and plays into it without overtly playing into it. But one thing that I thought was really weird is how conservatives immediately went into victim status as far as Trump. I mean, this is something Trump said on the debate stage and that Charlie Kirk echoed immediately after because you know, Charlie Kirk is the Trump dick writer from, for the rest of his days. He will be riding a Trump dick for the re remainder of his life. That is his entire career. So anyways, um, but is that, 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 that Chris Wallace was debating Trump as well. That Trump had to debate Biden and Chris Wallace, the moderator, which is fucking stupid. Trump was interrupting consistently, had very little respect for the rules that he had agreed to. And Chris was trying to do a good job. And Chris had a hard time. That experience for Chris is going to um, not benefit his career greatly. Um, and then it's funny how these fucking MAGA conservatives are just victims all fucking day long. Like all day long. Nothing's fair. The fake news media, blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Up. Did you watch Fox News when Obama was in the White House? Give me a fucking break, you fucking twats. Shut up. 
If you're one of those people right now and you're, you happen to find yourself watching this video or listening to this podcast, fuck you. That's annoying. You're annoying. Like, give me a fucking break. If you're, if you're candidate, if you're president, the guy that you supported can't conduct himself like a fucking adult on a presidential debate stage. Maybe you need to reevaluate your decision-making process. You fucking prick. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, Chris Wallace was, uh, was, uh, was unfair. He works for Fox news. He works for Fox news. And you're going to sit here and say, Oh, Trump had to debate Biden and Chris Wallace. Fuck off. Like nobody's trying to hear that shit. Okay. Nobody's trying to hear that shit. The, 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 it's so predictable that the immediate thing that conserv- MAGA conservatives do is move into victimhood. Come on, man. <laughs> Here's the deal, Jack. That's fucking stupid. So don't do that. Don't be that guy. If you're doing that, stop. No. We don't need that. Uh, the best thing Biden did was say, will you shut up, man? Because that has been a meme everywhere for the past couple of days. Now, I'm sure the COVID uh, Trump situation will kind of, kind of uh, degrade that a little bit. But... You know, fun stuff, good stuff, fun times. But it was great. And then apparently Trump brought back Big Ten football. So that's nice. (laughs) Oh, man. But I think, you know, if I was to to, to break it down, I think Biden and there's polls all over the place. And they're just they're so inconsistent that the the, the polls on who won um, are so wildly inconsistent that I don't even give them any credit at all um, or any validity, really. But I think that Biden didn't do well, but I think he won the debate. And mostly just because of the optics. Like, he held it together. And there's a few things in here that I think he did well that maybe people don't notice, but that um, definitely resonate. So with that being said, let's move on to uh, the clips. We're going to play at least one clip from each section of the, sh- of the, uh, of the debate. And I'm going to play, like I said, more of the full clip. Full clips, so we get a little bit of both, and show maybe a few times where the media has taken something completely out of context. Uh, so we got some good stuff here. We're going to go for a while, and I'm super excited about it. So let's go ahead and get right into it. All right, so this whole thing started off with discussion around the Supreme Court and the nomination of Amy Comey Barrett to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And the consequences of such action. Now, I don't want to get into, we're going to skip the part where they talk about whether it's a good idea or whether it's an abuse of power for the president to um, to uh, nominate someone this close to an election because it's completely, it's, it's hypocrisy everywhere. If the Democrats were in the same situation, they do the same thing and the Republicans, the Republicans would be saying the same thing that the Democrats are saying about the Republicans now. It's, uh, it's happened every election. It happened with Bush, it happened with Obama. It's just like... It's a fucking dumpster fire, and it's all bullshit. So we're going to get more into the consequences of the upcoming hearing um, with Obamacare. Now, let's get into what Biden has to say are at stakes and do a little little digging here. Now, what's at stake here is the president's made it clear he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. He's been running on that. He ran on that, and he's been governing on that. He's in the Supreme Court right now trying to get rid of uh, the uh, the Affordable Care Act, which uh, will strip 20 million people from having 
insurance, health insurance now, if it, if they if it goes into court, and and uh, the justice and I have nothing. I'm not opposed to the justice. She seems like a very fine person. What she's written before she went in the bench, which is her right, that she thinks that the Affordable Care Act is not constitutional. The other thing that's on the court, and if, if, if it's struck down, what happens? Women's rights are fundamentally changed. Once again, a woman could be held, pay more money because she has a pre-existing condition of pregnancy. We were able to, they were able to charge a woman more for the same exact procedure a man did, gets. And that ended when we, in fact, passed the Affordable Care Act. And there's 100 million people who have pre-existing conditions, and they'll be taken away as well. Those pre-existing conditions, the insurance companies are going to love this. And so it's just not appropriate to do this before this election. If he wins the election and the Senate is Democrat or Republican, then it, he goes forward. If not, we should wait until February. All right. There aren't 100 million people with pre-existing conditions. As far as the say is concerned, the people already had their say. They, okay. Just okay, before we get into this, I want to list off because I was curious like what are pre-existing what pre-existing conditions? What can what is considered a pre-existing condition? Uh, so I pulled up a list here. AIDS, HIV, cancer, cerebral palsy, depression, and other mental health disorders, dementia or Alzheimer's, diabetes, epilepsy, gender dysphoria, heart disease, coronary artery or bypass surgery, hemophilia, hepatitis C, lupus, obesity, paraplegia, paralysis, pregnancy, pending surgery or hospitalization, sleep apnea, and stroke. So those are just, a, that's a short list of uh, pre-existing conditions. If you think that there's not a hundred million people in this country who fit into one of those categories or have one of those um, issues, diseases, whatever, you are a fucking idiot. There are, there's a, over 133 million people who have pre-existing conditions and just to point this out 70 million adults in america are obese 70 million people in america are obese that's a pre-existing condition that is a huge problem that is a much bigger problem than coronavirus okay obesity is a humongous pandemic level issue in this country thanks to mm, the sugar lobby uh i don't know like the influence that the government has on creating a, an environment where people are uneducated and unhealthy is very profitable. I would even go as far as to say our economy is propped up by people being uneducated and unhealthy. Okay? So to think that there's not 100 million people that have pre-existing conditions is idiocy. It's more than that. You have 70 million obese adults I would, I would assume that there's over 30 million people in this country who've had a child because pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. How many people have diabetes? Just Google that. How many people have some form of diabetes in this country? Over 100 million people definitely have pre-existing conditions. I have pre-existing conditions because I tore my meniscus. So now I have pre-existing conditions. I need to get surgery. I have a pending surgery. So now I am disqualified. Fucking weird, man. Fucking weird. So that's that's a, that's a that's a bold-faced, blatant lie from the Trump from the Trump team. Sis Ginsburg said very powerfully, very strongly, very at powerfully. some point, ten years ago or so, she said a president and the Senate 
is elected for a period of time, but a president's elected for four years. That's We're true. not elected for three years. I'm not elected for three years. So we have the Senate. We have a president. He's elected to the next During election. that period of time. <laughs> Very profound, Joe. During that period of time, <laughs> we have an opening. I'm not elected for three years. I'm elected for four years. The and the 100 million people, Joe, the 100 million people is totally wrong. I don't know where you got that number. The bigger problem that you have is that you're going to extinguish 180 million people with their private health care, that they're very That's simply with. not true. Well, you're that certainly going that, to socialists. You're going to socialists. We're now into, gentlemen, we're now into open discussion. Oh, open discussion. I'm sorry I'm playing this whole yes, thing, but you just got to. Vice you just got to. There's too much uh, in here. He, he knows that uh, what I proposed. What I proposed is that uh, we expand Obamacare and we increase it. We do not wipe any. And one of the big debates we had with 23 of my colleagues trying to win the nomination that I won were saying that Biden wanted to allow people to have private insurance still. They can. They do. They will under my proposal. It's not what you've said, but and it's not what your party is, has said. That is simply Your party a lie. doesn't say it. Your party wants simple. to go socialist Medicine my party is and me. Socialist right now, I am and the they're Democratic gonna dominate party. you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. The platform of the Not Democratic Party Harris. is what I, in fact, approved of. A strong what statement. I approved of. I don't know if I go now, that here's route. The deal. The deal is that it's gonna here's wipe out pre-existing conditions. And by the way, the twenty the two hundred million the two hundred thousand people that have died on his watch, they how many of those have survived? Well, there's 7 million people that contracted COVID. What does it mean for them going forward if you strike down the Affordable Care Act? And Joe, you've had 300. That's a very strong point. 7 million people that have contracted COVID that did not die now all have a pre-existing condition in COVID, which you don't know what the long-term effects are because it's a novel virus. Hmm. Interesting. 108,000 military people dying because you and couldn't provide them proper health care in else. the military. So don't tell me I'm about this. I'm happy to talk about this. And if you were here, you, well, it wouldn't be deal. 200. It would be 2 million people because you were very late on the draw. You <laughs> didn't want me to draw. ban China, which was heavily infected. You didn't want me to ban All right, we're, gentlemen, Europe, we're, 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 which no, was heavily Mr. infected. President, you would have been President, much later, Joe. Mr. President, much later. Mr. President. You're talking about 2 million people. You're not President, as a moderator... <laughs> we are going to talk about COVID in the next segment, but, but go ahead. Let me finish. The point is that the president also is opposed to Roe v. Wade. That's on the ballot as well in the court, in the court. And so that's also at stake right now. And so the election is all You don't know it's begun. on the ballot. I, Why is it in the ballot? See, Roe v. Wade is most definitely on the ballot. This, is, this should motivate people because there is, with a six to three conservative to to liberal um supreme court and the amount of power that the supreme court has which i think is actually the biggest problem here there have been people that are on the on the right that have attacked roe v wade and, and women's right to choose um vehemently for years and years and years it's been their platform i mean they kind of prop it up as some kind of religious thing even though if you actually look into the bible that's not how it went down at all or um you know you have uh, this God that these people worship, um, encouraging uh, warriors for the Lord to um, not spare the baby at the breast or women with child. Strike them all down. That that came up very many a lot of times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Now, maybe if you say, well, Old Testament God is different than New Testament God. Well, then that's that also just opens up a whole other can of worms, huh? Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, I think Roe v. Wade is most definitely on 
on the ballot here. Because, because Why is you it on the ballot? It's not on the ballot. It's on the ballot. Also, I do want to say this about Amy Comey Barrett or Coney Barrett. Uh, she is a Catholic, a devout Catholic first and a judge second. Okay, and that's that's my biggest criticism of her. Like, I don't her beliefs are her beliefs. Do what you want to do, but if you're going to be on the Supreme Court, you need to be a judge first, an objective judge first, which is my own little fantasy world that I live in, and a Catholic, Buddhist, whatever, Christian, Protestant, I don't know, atheist second. That that should be the structure of your life, and that is not the case with her. Well, in the I court, don't think so. In the court, well, there's nothing happening there. Donald, would you, you just don't know her me? view on Roe v. Wade. You I don't, don't know her know. view. Well, all right. Let's, all right. Let's talk. I would, we got a lot to unpack here, gentlemen. We got a lot of time. So <laughs> uh, on health care, and then we'll come back to Roe v. Wade. All right. Mr. President, the Supreme Court will hear a case a week after the election in which the Trump administration, along with 18 state attorneys general, are seeking to overturn That's right. Obamacare, to end Obamacare. You have spent the last- Because they want to give I, good health care. If I may ask- The interruptions get so bad. Sir. Good health care. Over uh, the last four years, you have promised to repeal and replace Obamacare, but you have never in these four <laughs> years come up with a plan, a comprehensive plan to replace I'll just wait for Obamacare. This. This is great. Of course I have. Well, I'll I got rid of the individual mandate, which was a that big chunk a of Obamacare. That is oh absolutely a big thing. That was the worst I, I part of Obamacare. Sir, Chris, that was the worst part me. of Obamacare. Let me ask my question. Well, I'll, I'll ask Joe. I, 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 the individual no, I, mandate was the most unpopular aspect of Obamacare. I got rid of it. I'd like and you we to, will protect Mr. people President, with I'm the moderator of this debate, and I would like you to let me ask my question, and then you can answer your question. You, in the course of these four years, have never come up with a comprehensive plan to replace Obamacare. And just this last Thursday, you signed a largely symbolic executive order to protect people with pre-existing conditions five days before this debate. So my question, sir, is what is the Trump health care plan? Well, first of all, I guess I'm debating you, not him, but that's okay. I'm not surprised. Let me just tell you something, that there's nothing symbolic. I'm cutting drug prices. I'm going with favored nations, which no president has the courage to do because you're going against big pharma. Drug prices will be coming down 80 or 90 percent. You could have done it during your 47-year period in government, but you didn't do it. Nobody's done it. So we're cutting health care. All of the things condition? that we've done, insulin. I give you an example. Insulin. It's going to, it was destroying families, destroying people, the cost. I'm getting it for so cheap. It's like water. You want to know the truth. So, so that's interesting because I've seen a lot of people who take insulin um, saying that the prices have not come down at all. And it's been four years almost. Shouldn't that be the first thing you do if that's a priority for you? Seems that way. Cheap. Take a look at all of the drugs that what we're doing, prescription drug prices. We're going to allow our governors now to go to other countries to buy drugs okay. because when they fact, pay just a I, tiny fraction. As I say, this is open discussion. So that that's something I this is what frustrated me about this debate. It's like, yeah, okay. So you're saying that you're gonna allow governors um to permit going to other countries to buy pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Uh I wanna know more about that. Like i I haven't heard anything about that. What is that? What does that mean? How are we doing that? What are the what are the regulations there? What are the current what's the current situation? And um where is that going? 
What does that mean? And it just gets glossed over. I don't understand why we didn't explore that more because that seems like a very effective plan. But Trump has no cohesive plan as it's just, he's like, you had no plan. He's like, I got rid of the mandate. Yeah, the mandate was super unpopular and unconstitutional. I agree. But that's not a plan. That's one thing. You know what I mean? Gosh, no, let me but ask this you is big, let me, this you'll is be happy, big stuff. sir. You'll be happy. I'm about to pick up on one of your points to ask the vice president, which is he points out that you would like to add a public option to Obamacare. And yes. the argument that he makes and other Republicans make is that that is going to end private insurance. It is and not. Will, if I'm I sorry. ask you the question, it will, end your party says, by the way. it will end private insurance and create a government takeover of health care. It does not. It's only that. for those people who are so poor they qualify for Medicaid. They can get that free in most states, except governors who want to deny people who are poor Medicaid. So that's, an actual, that's actually a very, very popular position, is a public option for people that are, that are um, poor enough to qualify for Medicaid. Uh, to be able to get basic healthcare services. So that's a very, uh, as far as the American public is concerned, a very popular position. Anyone who qualifies for Medicare would, excuse me, Medicaid would automatically be enrolled in the public option. The vast majority of the American people would still not be in that option, number one. Joe, you agree with Bernie number, Sanders, who's I, I far did. left, on the manifesto, with, with we you, call it. And that gives you socialized medicine. Look, hey, Are I, you I'm not going to listen to him. The fact of the matter is, I beat Bernie Sanders. Not by I'm, much. I, I beat him a whole hell of a lot. I'm here, I'm here standing facing Pocahontas you all, would have left well, two days I'll early. You, you would have lost every primary all he knows how to on do Super is Tuesday. You got Look, very lucky. Look, here's the deal. I got very lucky. I'm going to get very lucky tonight as well. And tonight I'm going to make sure because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just want to make sure. You're the liar. You're a liar. No, you're a liar. What the fuck? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I, first I, both I, full of shit. God. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how yeah. to do that. He has, You'd you know, he, okay, he, that, that point stuck out to me. He doesn't know how to do that. Would you let him finish? He doesn't know how to do that. You'd be surprised. You're surprised by your ability to let men finish? Is that, is that what we're getting into here? I don't know. Pick, be what's he the trying to say? Guy, the wrong guy, the wrong night, the wrong time. Listen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders to the manifesto. The whole idea. Let, let him, there is no manifesto, number Please one. Please let him speak, Mr. President. Number two. He just lost the left. Number two. He never had I, the I, left. You just lost the left. No, he didn't. You agreed with Bernie Sanders on a plan. How, folks, this is absurd. Folks, do you have any idea what this clown's doing? They call it Mr. You have any Socialized medicine. Mr. President. I'll tell you what. He is not for any help for people needing health care because his Bernie? because he, in fact, already has cost 10 million people their health care that they point. had from their employers because of his recession. No so that's huge. Right. So 10 million people that have lost their jobs and had insurance tied to their jobs have now lost their health care because of the recession after covid. Incredible point here. Such a strong point. Now, the funny thing that Trump's trying to do here is he's trying to bully him into admitting that he wants socialized health care because he wants a public option. 
And we're actually going to leave that clip there, but I want to expand on that a little bit um, just to add as much context as I can with what I understand. So I know that is a very popular position is to add a public option. One of the scary things about a public option because the insurance companies are fucking pieces of shit is that they may then dump everybody with pre-existing conditions or that are maybe a high cost client of theirs. They will uh, rescind their healthcare and dump them into the public option if that public option is available, especially if they put themselves in a financial situation that they now qualify for Medicaid. So they spend a fuck ton of money because they got cancer or whatever, and they spend a fuck ton of money. Now they're broke as shit. They spend all their savings because they got cancer, and now they're gonna they're headed towards bankruptcy. So they can they can file for Medicaid once they qualify for Medicaid. They're allowed to be on a public option. Insurance companies dump them onto the public option. The public option becomes incredibly expensive because insurance companies are a bunch of fucking twats. They're just cunty as fuck. They're assholes. They don't give a shit. They don't care about your fucking wellness. They don't care about you being well. They want you to spend money and that's all they want. Insurance companies are fucking cowards. They're liars. Pharmaceutical companies are fucking cowards and liars. They have no interest in you being well whatsoever. So the danger of the public option is not the public option itself or the cost of the public option. The danger of the public option is insurance companies leveraging and taking advantage of the public option and the desire to do good by our government in order to improve their bottom line. These people are fucking cowards. They're crooks. They're corrupt. And the influence they have in our government is embarrassing and dangerous and harmful. Now, the idea, and Trump makes this trickle-down economics free market bullshit point numerous times. If you think that decreasing the price of insulin to make it as cheap as water or whatever the fuck, you think those, 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 those price decreases are going to be passed down to the population of this country, if you think that's the case, you're living in la-la land, bruh. You might as well be in fucking Narnia, dude. You might run into a little little dude with hooves for let or a little 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 hoofy feet. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the kind of world you're living in. That's not how that shit works. The drug prices come down. Insulin's already cheap as fuck for the providers, but not for the people. So the idea that <laughs> That they're going to choose decreasing prices over profits is delusional unless they are forced to do so. And neither one of these motherfuckers has the balls to make that happen. So with that being said, that is my take on the healthcare situation. And now we're going to move on to COVID. So these takes on COVID relatively predictable, relatively predictable. And, and, and there's valid points on both sides. Let's just, let's just jump into it and see what's up. The whole notion of a vaccine, we're for a vaccine, but we, I don't trust him at all, nor do you. I know you don't, What we trust as a scientist. You don't trust trust Dr. Johnson Johnson, Pfizer. No, I don't trust Johnson and Johnson or Pfizer. No, I don't trust the people who created a fucking opioid epidemic. No, I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. And I don't trust them with a fucking fast-tracked vaccine that was fast-tracked by the government. So now they have a deferral of responsibility for any damage caused by such vaccine back onto the government. 
So no, I don't trust Johnson and Johnson or FISA, you fucking idiot. And okay, by the way, gentlemen, and gentlemen let, me, let me move on to questions about the future because you both have touched on one of the, two of the questions I'm gonna ask. Uh, to, focusing on the future first, President Trump, you have repeatedly either contradicted or been at odds with some of your government's own top scientists. The week before last, the head of the Centers for Disease Control, Dr. Redfield, said it would be summer before the vaccine would become generally available to the public. You said that he was confused and mistaken. Those were your two words. Yeah. But Dr. Slowey, the head of your Operation Warp Speed, has said exactly the same thing. Are they both wrong? Well, I've spoken to the companies and we can have it a lot sooner. It's a very political thing because people like this. <sighs> Let's be clear about the difference between when a drug is finished versus when it's ready for distribution. Because you have to finish a quality version of whatever vaccine that these people are trying to make. So you got to finish it. So then you have a little bit of it. Then you have to mass produce it and distribute it to the country. So to think that by the time it's finished is the same time it's available is misleading. We can have the vaccine. We can have one vial. <laughs> it's like, we got the finished vial. The finished product is here. It's done. Now we've got to create the infrastructure to distribute it, to create it. Now I'm not, I don't manufacture drugs in that way. So I don't really know how that goes, but I can imagine it takes some time. It takes some time. So even if it's done on November 1st, which would be a great marketing campaign for the Trump administration, maybe he'll take one of the first vaccines after he's already had the COVID situation go on, which doesn't make sense. You would think he would develop some kind of immunity for after having it, but whatever. The different, there's a, there's, there's going to be a time between when the vaccine is finished versus when it's available. And that's the semantics they're playing here. There's not actually any substance in this. If it's done on November 1st or January 1st, whatever, it's still going to be six months, for people, or at least three months, I would imagine, before people can get the damn thing, unless you're a celebrity. Celebrity, professional athlete, a politician, they'll get it. And they'll, they'll virtue signal the, the fuck out of it. But there's a difference between when it's finished and when it's available. Let's just keep that in mind. Would rather make it political than save lives. God. It is a very political thing. I've spoken to Pfizer. I've spoken to all of the people that you have to speak to. We have all the people you Moderna, have to speak to. Johnson and Johnson and others. They can go faster than that by uh -huh. a lot. Become very political because the left, or I don't know if so, I call so them left. I don't know what I call. The head of your operation, Warp Speed, Doctor. I disagree with him. Yeah. No, I disagree with both of them. And he didn't say that. He said it could be there, but it could also be much sooner. I, I had him in my office two he days talked, ago. He talked about the summer, sir, before it's generally available. Just like he Dr. said, Dr. it's Redfield. a possibility that we'll have the answer before November first. It could I, also I'm be after that. Generally available. It, not well, we're going to deliver it right away. We have the military all set up logistically. They're all set up. We have our military that delivers soldiers, and they can do 200,000 a day. They're going to be this delivering This is the vaccine. same man it's who all told set you up. by Easter this would be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone. Miraculous. Like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm, and that would take care of it. Good job, Joe. This is the that same was man. said sarcastically, that was seen, you know that. I, I, I was said sarcastically. No, so here's the deal. This man is talking about a vaccine. Every serious... Every serious company is talking about maybe having a vaccine done by the end of the year, but the distribution of that vaccine will not occur until sometime beginning wow. in the middle of next year to get it out. Biden treat people kind of like adults. Vaccine. That's an and pray God we will. Pray God we Mr. will. Mr. Vice President, I want to pick up. You'll have the vaccine I, I, I want to pick that. up on this question, though. You say the public 
can trust the scientists, but they can't trust President Trump. In fact, you said that again tonight. Your running mate, Senator Harris, goes further, saying the public health experts, quote, will be muzzled, will be suppressed. Given the fact that polls already show that people are concerned about the vaccine and are reluctant to take it, are you and your running mate, Senator Harris, contributing to that fear? No more than the question you just asked him. You pointed out he puts pressure and disagrees with his own scientists. But you're saying Everybody you can't, or, or Senator and, Harris is saying no, you can't trust the scientists. No, well, no, no, you can't trust the scientists. He didn't, she didn't say that. You can't she, trust She the, said the public health experts, quote, will be muzzled, will yes. be suppressed. Well, that's what he's going to try to do. But there's millions of scientists, there's thousands of scientists out there, like here at this great hospital, that don't work for him. Their job doesn't depend on him. That's not, they're the people, they're, and by I the way. I spoke to the scientists Fauci, that are in charge. By the way. They will have the vaccine very soon. Let him finish. Do you believe for a moment what he's telling you in light of all the lies he's told you about the whole issue relating to COVID? He still hasn't even acknowledged that he knew this was happening, knew how dangerous it was going to be back in February, and he didn't even tell you. He's on record as saying it. He panicked or he just looked at the stock market, one of the two, because guess what? A lot of people died and a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker. So, Mr. President, did you? OK, I'm going to pause right there because this is about to get nasty. Um, I think I think that works. Like, I think for if you're not super tapped into what's going on and you're not really listening and you're not checking things out like most people and you're just taking the sound bites and what you see on Twitter and Instagram, that little segment works. It's very shareable, and I think it resonates with a lot of moderates and left-leaning people that were not convinced. Like that little spiel right there for the suburban housewives, which is kind of their target demographic to swing this election, they went for Trump and now are, are maybe floaters in this whole thing. Um, I think that bit works, and this Trump's response to saying that, for to Biden saying that he needs to get smarter quicker, um, is childish um, and I would say relatively embarrassing and just made to me, unless you're an avid Trump supporter, um, made him look like a like an asshole. And we've talked about this a little bit, just 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 in like the worst way possible. Let's get into that. Use the word smart. Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest personal or attacks the lowest we went from policy class. to Don't personal use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done nothing. Well, let's have this debate. And if we'll you would have had, let me just tell you something, Joe. No, if you would have had the charge of what I was put through, I had to close the greatest economy in the history of our country. And by the way, now it's being built again. This is just so fucking petty. So petty. We'll get to the fast. economy in the next segment, sir. Okay. It's going up fast. Okay. Forward to I, when it comes to how the virus... All right, that's enough of that. But that wasn't that just like a petty exchange on Trump's part? Like, stick to you. You can't go from policy to personal because now you're you're diverting, you're deflecting. You don't want to debate the policy. You want to take it as an, into a personal attack about something that Joe Biden did in the 1980s, as if any of us give a fuck. Like, we're, no one's voting for Joe Biden because they love Joe Biden. They're voting for the alternative, Donald Trump. And some kind of return to normalcy. So that attack just doesn't land because it's something he did in the fucking 1980s. Like, and that, Trump was probably doing blow and fucking strippers. 
in the 1980s. I mean, who cares? Who gives a shit? This isn't a moral compass test, right? Like, he, fuck, man. Fuck. Oh, golly. Oh, COVID. So, I think that on that segment, I think Biden did a lot better because there's a lot for Trump to be embarrassed about with his response to COVID. And, and I feel like Biden did a pretty decent job considering that it's Joe Biden in pointing that out. Now, there was one very interesting and I thought very clever segment in the next um, topic. So with that, let's move on to the economy. All right, economic versus or economic recovery, V versus K-shape. Now, if you want more about this, you got to have to go over to YouTube because we're going to do a little animated video on a V versus a K-shape, throw some art on the screen. But I, this was something I was, because I've heard this K-shape recovery thing numerous times, numerous times. And I was like, what the fuck is a K-shaped recovery? Like, what is that? That doesn't make any, the- oh, sorry. That doesn't make any sense. Like K, K-shape. Um, but now... Joe Biden actually explained something to me in a a relatively cohesive manner, which I'm very proud of him for. So uh, let's just get into this clip on the V versus K-shape recovery. The economy? Yes. The economy is, I think it's fair to say, recovering faster than expected from the shutdown. Much faster. In the second quarter, the unemployment rate fell to 8.4% last month. The Federal Reserve says that Trump needs to exploit to, that to growth, which is going to be there, is not going to be nearly as big as they had expected. President Trump, you say we are in a V-shaped recovery. Uh, Vice President Biden, you say it's more of a K-shape. What difference does that mean to the American people in terms of the economy? President Trump, in this segment, you go first. So we built the greatest economy in history. We closed it down because of the China plague. When the plague came in, we closed it down, which was very hard psychologically to do. He didn't think we should close it down, and he was wrong. And again, too Okay, I'm going to jump in here real quick, and I want to challenge the idea that we had the greatest economy ever. Like, this is, a, this is the thing. It's like the same thing as saying the America's the greatest country in the world. The idea that we had the greatest economy ever because the numbers were the highest is very short term in in your perception of what a great economy is to me and this is may just be my own personal opinion but to me a stable economy coming at the cost of a booming economy right so if your co- economy's booming it's a boom bust cycle it's what's happened since the depression boom bust boom bust and we end up with like booming numbers complete collapse booming numbers what what if we just had a, a stable grounded economy And maybe the numbers weren't booming out of control, but we also didn't have to deal with the fucking fallout whenever anything happens. A housing crisis, COVID. What if we invested the next 10 years into creating a stable economy? And honestly, I hate to fucking say this. Honestly, it sounds like Joe Biden's plan moves us into that direction. No, the numbers will not boom out of control. Right? No, you won't be able to invest $10,000 $10,000 in Tesla and turn that into $100,000 in six months. Something you could have done if you would have invested in Tesla six months ago. Right? Like crazy shit's happened. But with that being said, what if we had a stable economy where the booms and the busts were not as big? You take a cost in these not having these massive explosions um, in the stock market. 
but you have the benefit of not having collapses and people losing their homes and people dying and depression and suicides and drug addiction and all the things that come from economic collapse. Why can't we invest in a stable economy? Why can't somebody run on a stable economy? Because this short-term thinking, right, what's going to happen is Trump's, there's going to be this booming economy and then it's going to get passed on to whoever the next president is. And then uh, as will happen of no fault of the president, it will fucking collapse. And then it will become the Democrats' fault or that president's fault or blah, 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 who fucking cares. But why can't we create a fucking stable economy? Of all the things, we, we, we just butt hump the fucking stock market. Oh my God, the stock market's so high, I can barely contain myself. Fuck off, dude. Like the stock market is a chart of rich people's feelings. That's what it is. Like Trump got COVID, stock market drops. Like we live in a very unstable economy that's propped up on impulsiveness and lack of intelligence by the fucking populace. So what have we invested our time and our energy into creating a more stable economy? And somebody fucking ran on that and said those words. I want a stable economy. I don't want you to be surprised when you fucking get foreclosed on because of no fault of your own. I would like to see that. Can somebody run on that fucking platform? Jesus, fuck. Two million people would be dead now instead of Still, 204,000 people is too much. One person is too much. Should have never happened from China. But what happened is we closed it down, and now we're reopening, and we're doing record business. We had 10.4 million people in a four-month period that we've put back into the workforce. That's a record the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. And he wants to close down the—he will shut it down again. He will destroy this country. You know, a lot of people, between drugs and alcohol and depression— Good point. When you start shutting it down, you take a look at what's happening at some of your Democrat-run states where they have these tough shutdowns. And I'm telling you, it's because they don't want to open it. One of them came out last week. You saw that. Oh, we're going to open up on November 9th. Why November 9th? Because it's after the election. They think they're hurting us by keeping them closed. They're hurting people. People know what to do. They can social distance. They can wash the hands. They can wear masks. They can do whatever they want. But they got to open these states up. When you look at North Carolina, when you look and these governors are under siege, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and a couple of others, you got to open these states up. It's not fair. You're talking about almost it's like being in prison. And you look at what's going on with divorce. Look at what's going on with alcoholism and drugs. It's a very, very sad thing. And he'll close down the whole country. This guy will close down the whole country and destroy our country. Our country is coming back incredibly well, setting records as it does it. We don't need somebody to come in and say, let's shut it down. All right. Your two minutes, sir. We're now moved to you. As I, as I said, posing the question, the president says it's a V-shaped recovery. You say it's a K-shaped recovery. What's the difference? The difference okay, is so before he gets in there, V-shaped recovery is meaning, meaning that it dropped off fast for everybody. It dropped off fast and is recovering quickly, which it is recovering quickly. Okay, I get that. But that's, what, that, that, that's, basically, that's basically Trump's V-shape recovery. All right, now let's see what Biden has to say about his K-shaped recovery. This segment is brought to you by the letter K. Is millionaires and billionaires like him in the middle of the COVID crisis have done very well. Another billionaires have made another three hundred billion dollars because of his profligate tax proposal, and he only focused on the market. But you folks at home, 
You folks living in Scranton and Claymont and all the small towns and working class towns in America, how well are you doing? This guy paid well, a total of $750 in taxes. Sir, and he sir, wait, wait, no, sir, Good it's point. a strong statement. Yeah, I understand. You've agreed to the two minutes, so please let him have it. Do I get my time back? The fact is that he has, in fact, worked on this in a way that he's going to be the first president of the United States to leave office having fewer jobs in his administration than when he became president. Fewer jobs than when he became president. First one in American history. Secondly, the people who have lost their jobs are those people who have been on the front lines, those people who have Compelling. been saving our lives, those people who have been out there dying, people who have been putting themselves in the way to make sure that we could all try to make it. And the idea that he is insisting that we go forward and open when you have almost half the states in America with a significant increase in COVID deaths and COVID cases in the United States of America. And he wants to open it up more. Why does he want to open it up? Why doesn't he take care of the America? You can't fix the economy until you fix the COVID crisis. And he has no intention of doing anything about making it better for you all at home in terms of your health and your safety. Schools, why aren't schools open? Because it costs a lot of money to open them safely. You know, they, they were going to give, his administration was going to give the teachers and school students masks. And then they decided, no, couldn't do that because it's not a national emergency. Not a national that's emergency. Pretty, that's pretty, that's They've pretty done aggressive. nothing to help small businesses. Nothing. They're closing. One in six is now gone. He ought to get on the job and take care of the needs of the American people so we can open safely. All right. Your time is up, sir. Okay, now I'm going to break that down because he did, actually didn't do a very good job of explaining that at all. But what he's saying with the K-shape recovery is that wealthy people had a V-shape recovery. V-shape? Everybody else is the bottom. It just kind of stayed. If you're fucking poor, you're still poor. Nothing's gotten better. It's actually gotten worse. You've stayed down at where it is. So you have essentially a K-shaped graph. Everybody else, wealthy people. And that is actually really fucking clever, in my opinion. So this v versus k shape if you can, they can they can if they can communicate what that k shape means i think that will resonate with a lot of people because many people who didn't expect to be economically impacted by covid ie me um <laughs> were and it's been very very odd and very strange to have had your way of your livelihood impacted by something that you had nothing to do with um, very interesting. And I think that people are going to be compelled by that. And he's right. A lot of the people who are impacted the most who have been either impacted by con contracting coronavirus, um, or COVID-19 and, um, and even financially slash their jobs being gone, um, are people who were in the working class, uh, middle class people that have been exposed to this, uh, by having to work through the entire crisis by being essential workers. So, there's a lot of people out there that have that have had that experience. Um, and it's been really strange to see. And I think it's really important that Joe Biden point that out. But the V versus K shape recovery, I think, is actually very clever and solid, solid marketing by the Biden campaign. Now, we're going to move on. I don't I think this was actually in the economy segment of the uh, of the debate. But we're going to talk about Trump's taxes. Ooh. 
Okay, so as we jump into this here, um, so the thing is Trump paid $750 in 2016, 2017 in, uh, in taxes. I think that was the, the right years, but paid $750, which is less than I paid, less than you paid, I'm sure, uh, in federal income taxes. And he paid a lot of millions in taxes to other countries um, for various reasons, but uh, he used the tax code and the tax breaks that were given to him by the Obama administration, which he's going to point out, to, um, you know, create that situation for himself. Now, is it his fault for taking advantage of the tax codes? I'd say no. And he says this. I don't want to, he didn't want to pay taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. I pay as little taxes as I possibly can. Like, that's just how it is. I don't have, uh, I don't, I'm not able to, here's the thing. If you have multiple businesses, it's really easy to manipulate the tax code. Very, very easy. And there's so many creative ways to do it. Um, but if you have four businesses and and they're all different LLCs or whatever, and you take a massive loss on one, you can kind of defer the, uh, the, the profits of the other ones, other businesses versus that loss and yada, yada, yada. When I lost my business, um, I lost my gym. I lost around uh, $60,000 in that, in that, in that, very challenging time of my life. Um, I didn't have to pay uh, taxes, income taxes for the next, I think, three years, which didn't add up to $60,000 by any means, but it was very helpful for me to be able to start a new business. And I think stuff like that's great. Like I had a business, it failed. A lot of crazy shit went on. I lost money. It was really hard for me. Um, and I didn't pay taxes for a few years. So I did, you know, for the 60,000 I lost, I probably didn't pay 30,000 to the government, something like that, uh, which I feel like is fair, right? Like I didn't, it didn't make money on the deal, but I definitely, it definitely eased the blow a little bit. And I think that's extremely appropriate. You can disagree with me if you want. Um, but that's, you know, that, that is what it is. Um, but looking at this, that's, you know, Trump's a millionaire. I don't think he's actually a billionaire. Maybe he will be after his presidency because he's going to be able to leverage leverage it for profit as he and his family have been doing this entire time anyways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to swallow a millionaire paying $750 in income taxes. Now, of course they're paying property taxes on other stuff and all this other shit, but let's just go ahead and get into it. It's just, it's just a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. I'm asking you the specific question. Is it true that you paid $750 in federal income taxes each of those two years. I paid millions of dollars That's in taxes, millions of dollars of income tax. And lie. let me just tell you, there was a story in one of the papers. Show I paid, I paid $38 million one year. I paid $27 million Show us your tax year. returns. I Which went, year? Uh, you'll see it as soon as it's finished. You'll see it. You know, well, if you want to do- As soon as it's finished. It's taking four years to get it done. There's a 118 page or so report that says everything I have, every bank I have, I'm totally under leveraged because the assets are extremely good. And we have a very, we have Most a, of the American public doesn't even know what that means. Specific question, which but is, let me tell you, I, I understand all of that. I, I understand all of that. But, but let me, a, no, Mr. President, I'm asking you a question. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017. Millions of dollars. Gazillions of dollars. Of dollars. Of dollars. So yes. not 700 Millions of dollars, and you'll get to see I, it. I, and you'll get to when? see it. But and let me Shalom. just tell you, Chris, let me just say something, that it was the tax laws. I don't want to pay tax. Be before I came here, I was a private developer. I was a private business people. Like every other private person, unless they're stupid, they go through the laws, and that's what it is. Uh, he passed a tax bill 
The they point. gave us all these privileges for depreciation and for uh, tax credits. We build a building and we get tax credits like the hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue. You get okay. a massive, which, by the way, was given to me by the Obama administration, if you can believe that. Now, the man got fired yeah, no, 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 right after that happened. But Vice that's President a, Biden, you want to respond? Yeah, I do want to respond. Look, the tax code that made him the, put him in a position that he pays less tax than a school teacher makes uh, on the money a school teacher makes is because of him take he says he's smart because he can take advantage of the tax code and he does take advantage of the tax code that's why i'm going to eliminate the trump tax cuts and we're going to i'm going to eliminate those tax okay. cuts and make sure that we invest in the people who in fact need the help People out there need help. But why didn't you do it over 20, uh, the no, last no, no, 25 wait, years? No, because you were president. Why did you do it over because the last you weren't president years? screwing no, no, things no, no. up. You were a senator. And You're the, the worst way, you president vice... America has ever had. Ooh, Come getting on. fiery out there, say, Joe. Joe. I've done more in in 47 months. I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe. We've done things that you never even thought of doing, okay. including Gentlemen, fixing the broken military that you gave me, let's, including let's, taking care of we're your talking, vets. Mr. President, we're talking about the economy. I'd like to ask you about your plans going forward because... All right, I think that's enough of that. But, it, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting point, right? Now, we're going to get we're gonna get into this, into the, the climate change situation and the race situation are kind of my favorite parts of this debate, which we're at the end, and I totally understand if you didn't make it that far in the debate because it was a fucking dumpster fire as we've covered. But the tax credit piece. Now, this may seem like a little bit of a, a, of a diversion from what we're talking about, but the tax credits provided for building buildings. Right now, I want to, I want to, I want to kind of loop that in with the climate change situation because I think there's something really beneficial that could come from that style of tax code for building energy efficient buildings. Right, creating tax cuts like it, it, say Donald Trump was building hotels and whatever, and he made, he did them kind of like, I don't know if you know this or not, but IKEA is actually one of the leaders uh, in in creating energy-efficient buildings. All of their IKEA stores, these huge stores, are all powered by solar. They have a large uh, footprint, and the entire roof is solar panels on all IKEA bu uh, buildings. So they run kind of a net-zero type situation, which is, I think, impactful because they do so much shipping of stuff all around the world that they do have a pretty negative global impact. So, they try to divert or they try to balance that out by creating energy efficient stores. Now, if you were able to, if say if Trump paid 200 or $750 in taxes in those years, but he built, um, built and remodeled and spent a fuck ton of money in creating energy efficient buildings, I would have zero qualms with that, right? Say he took all of his hotels and he, uh, went solar on some of them, made sure the insulation was on point, put in new windows, uh, new AC units, new new fixtures to make it more energy efficient, and that resulted in him paying zero taxes. Like to me, that's absolutely fine, absolutely fine. I don't get frustrated when somebody like Elon Musk, who's made a, a an incredible contribution environmentally and and really to turn the tide as far as what the electric car is going to be able to do over the next few decades uh, and moved us in that direction and created another also created a lot of a lot of other a lot of opportunities for other electric car manufacturers and alternative energy um, businesses to become successful like tesla kind of paved the way for them i don't get upset when they don't pay taxes honestly it's people like Amazon and Walmart and the Waltons and and just this like whole this whole situation the Rothschilds like that's when shit like banking and shit like that 
these Fortune 500 companies who don't really do anything positive aside from make goods. Now, if I was a libertarian, I'd say like making goods is the best thing because the the, the entire world um, it revolves around people needing more shit. Um, I don't believe that. I don't want to take on that philosophy into my life, but I would be I would have zero issue if what the tax credits were being given out for were things that had some kind of positive impact on the environment or humanity or say you, you know, I don't know, raise your minimum wage to $20 and within your company if you're in like a uh, $20 an hour or $70,000 a year if you're in a city like Austin or Seattle or um, uh, New York, like some place where it's a higher cost of living and you get a tax credit for increasing your wages. To me, that's like, that makes a fuck ton of sense, right? Why isn't, why isn't tax code reflective of, of incentivizing com- uh, industry for providing what people clearly need and letting that be the carrot on the stick, not just, well, you built a building so that you get tax credits. Like that to me, like you spent money or you lost money, so you get, ta- like that doesn't really... That doesn't really add up to me. I think there's a way to incentivize industry to do do good through the tax code. And we can leverage the fuck out of the tax code to make that happen. But this whole situation with Trump's taxes is a, is a, is a dumpster fire. And I'm glad it got brought up because that to me, that seems like that that's, that's a humongous problem. Like what would the world, what would our, not the world, but what would our country look like if we had appropriate tax codes and those loopholes were closed in that, the industries that have massive influence within our political system weren't um, uh, signing off on the tax regulations like that, that. That seems to me like it could change a lot of things. So good, interesting stuff there. Interesting, interesting stuff. And, you know, Trump talking about his things like to me, he thinks he says that he he built a great company and that, um, you know, that <laughs> he's done so many great things. I don't feel like people that build great companies are then um, they don't have the time or the interest in being a reality TV star. Like that just, those things don't generally like when I see someone on reality TV, I'm not like that person's life must be going really well. That's not what I'm thinking about. It's either like I'm leveraging this to get some kind of relevance or, um, or I'm just, uh, you know, I'm an entertaining because I'm a shit show. Like that's, it, it's interesting to see that, but the tax codes are a problem. And he did call out Biden and the Obama administration for creating those tax codes because Biden was kind of a puppet of the of the of the banks. I mean, I think was it Chase Bank that really uh, helped him with all of his appointees? Like that's not what we want. That's that's what's one of the biggest failures of the Obama administration. And, and I would hope that Biden has learned from that, uh, especially with the the movement after the 2008 economic crisis uh, that really bolstered. What you're seeing now in this progressive movement, I mean, that woke me the fuck up and that got me involved in what we're in now. That's when I really started paying attention. And I, I can say that, that that was what turned me towards someone like Bernie Sanders. And I think a lot of us who grew up in such an unstable uh, economic environment and started work. I mean, we, I went to work right after that. Like 2010 is when I graduated college. So I was it was right after that situation. And I was lucky because if it would have been 2008, I would have been in a really shitty spot. But it was two, you know, a couple of years of recovery afterwards, and you know, Trump makes the argument that the Obama administration had the slowest economic recovery of all time since the since nineteen twenty something, right? He made that. I'm not going to play the whole clip, but he made that uh, argument, 
But I think there's, you know, it's not apples to apples when you're thinking about economic recoveries. Like the economic recovery from a pandemic is going to be different than an economic recovery from a housing crisis or the Great Depression. Like there's just different, different um, styles of economic fuckery are going to going to take longer and and require different things to recover. So I don't think that's a very valid point because it's just not comparable. But I can see why he made that point um, because he can kind of leverage the the speediness of the economic recovery but it actually makes sense that once you get covid under control that the economy would bounce back versus having a bunch of people foreclosed on all these empty houses housing prices are 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 in the shitter for years and years so it's a different situation completely and don't don't be bought, don't be swayed by that argument that it doesn't that just doesn't hold any any water at all um but you know and then trump goes on and on and i could, could play it for you but i'll spare you that of just but humping the stock market some more. But I want to get into this. This is really, really gets fun. Is oh, what do we gotta do next here? Sorry, I got my notes. I'm trying to break it down. All right. Oh, here we go. Ooh. This is fun. This is fun. Let's get into race and police. All right, with this race issue, man. This is a good, this is just, this just, this is where I knew whenever this, they brought this up, I was like, this is going to be a good time. This is going to really, this is going to be a really good time. (laughs) All right. So what are we going to do first here? Now I want to get, I mean, I feel like the more I've I've talked about this and, and I've been watching it and kind of running this dialogue through my, through my brain for a while. I think that Biden and Trump both had, had solid points uh, when it came, came, came to police and cops and race. Um, Biden's stance, as you'll hear, um, I think is very palatable for, um, for moderates, people like me, for even people on the left who want to defund the police, which I don't agree with and think is kind of obscure and weird. Um, but, of course, that's more of a radical and a very allowed minority that want that. So that's kind of being leveraged by the right to make Biden look bad. I don't think that's landing. And what he talks about wanting to do um, with police and with civil rights is seems very appropriate and very beneficial and and like a like a like a way better pitch than law and order like this idea of like law say law and order a bunch of times and and criticize biden for not saying law enforcement like for i don't even understand what that's all about but you know there's a lot to that and i think that the the biden's approach is actually pretty pragmatic and where trump just repeats law and order a bunch of times and but he does do a good job of calling out biden on the crime bill and the super predators situation so let's go ahead and get into that and let's just see what we think y'all i make injustice in this country in education and work and in in law enforcement. Now you may have missed that, but what he said was systemic injustice instead of systemic racism. Fucking great. The Biden campaign, their marketing and the way they're using terms, I feel like is really, really strong. So systemic injustice is something I feel like more people can get behind than systemic racism. And I've said that a bunch on this show and other, and just in my day-to-day life is that what we have is a, is a gigantic income inequality and class issue that is with, with a race issue kind of layered over the top. Like the cake is class inequality um, and income inequality and injustice really. And the icing is a race issue, right? We're very comfortable with certain types of people being in certain types of classes. And that becomes 
problematic, right? And that can look very much like like a, 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 a just an epidemic of systemic racism. But when you say systemic injustice, that resonates much more than systemic racism because yes, a disproportionate amount of the people that, that, that experience that injustice are people of color, but maybe that's 60% of the people who experience that injustice. But what about that other 40%, right? What about poor white people, poor Hispanic people, and other immigrants that have, that have experienced massive injustice. What about the homeless people, right? Like, so all of that kind of, it, it, it's more inclusive of a term to the injustice that is faced in this country versus making it a purely race issue. In my opinion, great reframe by the Biden campaign. And the, and the, and the way in which it's enforced. But look, the vast majority of police officers are good, decent, honorable men and women. They risk their lives every day to take care of us. So people want to hear. But there are some bad apples. And when they occur, when they find them, they have to be sorted out. They have to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable. And what I'm going to do as President of the United States is call a, a together an entire group of people at the White House, well, everything from the civil rights groups to the police officers, the police chiefs, and we're going to work this out. We're going to work this out. So we change the way in which we have more transparency in when these things happen. These cops aren't happy to see what happened to, to, to George Floyd. These cops aren't happy to see what happened to Breonna Taylor. Most don't like it. But we have to have a system where people are held accountable. When, and by the way, violence in response is never appropriate. Never appropriate. Peaceful protest is violence is never appropriate. All right. What is peace? Okay. So that's that right there is the stance of most American people. And the fact that he says, we're going to bring the civil rights leaders, the police leaders, the law enforcement leaders all together. And we're going to figure something out. We're going to make a compromise. Like this has gotten out of hand. Violence is never appropriate, which I don't, and, and, and now Trump's going to try and turn it and say that, well, the people burning down. But yeah. There was violence. And he's saying he's, 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 He's condemning that violence. Very palatable approach for people like my mom and other, you know, suburban, uh, rural, normal ass people. That's what they want to hear. That's good shit. That's the kind of stuff that it's subtle. It wasn't, it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't over the top, but it was very, very pragmatic in my opinion. Now let's see where Trump takes this. President, protest. When they run through the middle President, of the town Trump, and burn down President your stores Trump, and kill people President all over Trump, the place, that and you is say not peaceful, peaceful protest. No, I'm not, not asking. You say it is. President Trump, I'd like to continue with this. This doesn't, this doesn't hold up. We're going to get to the issue of law and order Please. in a moment. Please. This month, your administration uh, directed federal agencies to end racial sensitivity training that addresses white privilege or critical race theory. Why did you decide to do that, to end racial sensitivity training? And do you believe that there is systemic racism in this country, sir? I ended it because it's racist. I ended it because a lot of people were complaining that they were asked to do things that were absolutely insane, that it was a radical uh, revolution that was taking place in our military, uh, in our schools, all over the place, and you know it, and so does what, everybody what, what else. Radical, and he would know. What is oh, radical it was totally about racial sensitivity training? Sir. If you were a certain person 
You had no status in life. It was sort of a reversal. And if you look at the people, we were paying people hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach very bad ideas and, frankly, very sick ideas. And, and really, they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. We have to go back to the core values of this country. Okay, before he gets into the core values bullshit, I want to point that out. This is an area where, not in the same way, but I do agree with what he has to say here, and I disagree with Biden. Full stop. Critical race theory is fucking garbage, okay? The white fragility model of, of race sensitivity is fucking trash. It contradicts what Martin Luther King had to say. It, it creates a victim mentality that is so pervasive now, does it contradict with American values? I don't really give a fuck about American values. I think that's all a fucking marketing ploy. Do not give a fuck about that. But I do give a fuck about people being taught that they are less than and having that be disguised as a as a, a, a as progress when it comes to race relations in this country. Okay, I don't want to be told that hard work and punctuality are exclusively a white thing. And I don't want to be told that. And I know that if you are a black person in this world, you don't want to hear that fucking nonsense. I've spoken to many people of all different shapes, sizes, and colors about this. Critical race theory will be here today, gone tomorrow. It's fucking garbage. And I don't think that the federal government should be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for bad ideas. That was Trump's best line of this debate. We're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for bad ideas. Critical race theory is a bad idea. Robin D'Angelo is a fucking grifter. Okay? That woman is stacking serious cash to be a white woman telling white people how they should think about race. Fuck you, Robin D'Angelo. Fuck white fragility. And fuck critical race theory. It's fucking trash. Read Matt Taibbi. Check into Brett Weinstein. See what's going on with this. It's sneaky and it's living under the veil of virtue, but critical race theory has no place. Trying to improve race relations and the situation of injustice in this country by viewing everything through the lens of race is fucking ridiculous. I will not stand up for it. I and you, Dislike this video, unsubscribe from this podcast, leave a negative review, review for me saying that. All you fucking want. I'm not allowing myself to go by, and, and, and even though this may be an unpopular opinion, I cannot stand by and watch that happen. I care too much about people, and I care too much about people not living their life as a fucking victim. A terrible things have happened in this country. Terrible things. I'm by no means right-wing. I'm by no means a Trump supporter. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that white privilege doesn't exist because I believe that it does in some way. And I've spoken about that at length, but critical race theory is not the solution to the problem. It is a, it is a symptom of the problem. So let's keep moving here. They were teaching people that our country is a horrible place. It's a racist place. And they were teaching people to hate our country. And I'm no not going to allow that to happen. Vice President Biden. Nobody's doing that. I don't he's think just, Joe Biden. He's does. racist. You, you just don't. Here's the deal. I, I know. I, I agree with Trump. Let him finish. The fact is that there is racial insensitivity. People have to be made aware of what other people feel like, 
what what insults them, what is demeaning to them. It's important that people know they don't want to. Many people don't want to hurt other people's feelings, but it's, it makes a big difference. It makes a gigantic difference in the way a child is able to grow up and have a, self, a sense of self-esteem. It's a little bit like how this guy and, and his friends look down on so many people. They look down their nose on people like Irish Catholics like me and grew up in Scranton. They look down on people who don't have money. They look down on people who are of a different faith. They look down on people who are a different color. In fact, we're all Americans. The only way we're going to bring this country together is bring everybody together. There's nothing we cannot do if we do it together. We can take this on and we can defeat racism Vice in America. President, I mean, so, yeah, we'll leave that there. But that's, that's interesting um, on a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And I think that that's what people want to hear, right? That What Biden just said had very little substance. Um, he wasn't very informed on the issue of of critical race theory. I don't really think that he knows and hasn't explored the nuance during his campaign of what critical race theory is. Uh, that didn't land with me at all. That didn't land it with me at all. But, um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting to see how that's all played out in this critical race theory piece. And I'm I'm actually glad that um, that Trump brought that up. I don't, but the thing about it is, I look at that, right? I look at that and think like, I've explored critical race theory. I, I, I tend to understand it a little bit more. I've read people that I respect on it. Um, black, white, tried to get as many sides of this thing as I can. Um, and the popular opinion from anybody who is critical of critical race theory is that it's fucking trash. Um, I don't expect everyone to know that. And I actually think in that in that little back and forth, Biden looked better to most people. He looks better to most people. To me, I disagree with what he had to say, um, but I try and take zoom out and look at it from somebody who doesn't spend the time understanding why uh, white fragility is shares more traits with David Duke and the KKK than it does with Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. So I understand that, but we're going to get into next um, Biden defunding the police, all kind of the same piece here. So let's jump into that. Look, what I support is the police having the opportunity to deal with the problems they face. And I'm not I'm totally opposed to defunding the police officers. As a Wait, what? Of fact, police local- Wait, you, are you telling me that Trump's been lying about Biden wanting to defund the police this whole time? Huh, weird. Now let's listen to how, how uh, I keep using the word pragmatic with Biden, which kind of surprises me, but how, well, look at his approach here and think about where it overlaps with the majority of America police. The only one defunding in his budget calls for a $400 million cut in local law enforcement assistance. They need more assistance. They need when they show up for a 9-11 call to have someone with them as a psychologist or psychiatrist to keep them from having to use force and be able to talk people down. We have to have community policing like we had before where the officers get to know the people in the communities. That's when crime went down. It didn't go up. It went down. And so we have to be engaged. That's not what they're talking about, Chris. That's well, not what that, that's he's talking exactly, about defunding the that, police. That is not true. He no, doesn't have not. any law well, you, support. Look, he has no law enforcement that's support. That's not true. Almost that's nothing. Not, that, look. Oh, Roy, who do you have? Name one group that supports you. Name one group that came out and supported you. Go look, ahead. Look, think. We have time. We don't have time to do no, anything. No, no. Think so, about it. Name folks, one law enforcement folks. group that well, came I out think, and I supported think, gentlemen, you. Gentlemen, I think I'm going to I'm going to take back. Okay, so before we get into Chris Wallace talking to two presidential candidates like they're fucking children, here's what Biden needs to say. 
when that happens, when he's like, you don't have any police support. You tell him, you go to Trump, say, listen, motherfucker. You can't say it like this, but this is how I would say it. Listen, motherfucker, the reason I don't have police support is because I'm actually going to do something to put the police overreach in check. And the reason that the police overreach has gotten so bad is because of fucking police unions. And police unions are who are supporting you. Police unions protect the bad cops. And they don't want to be put in check. They don't want their power to be stifled in any way. That's why they support you, because you won't do a goddamn thing thing to adjust the way that they escape justice for their crimes. And Biden wants to do that. Biden wants to bring people in that are critical of police. You should be critical of anyone who has power to end your fucking life. Okay. Black, white, whatever. And people are going to be in the, uh, in the Biden administration. Now, Kamala Harris, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't fucking care, right? She's basically a cop, all right? Not going in, down that rabbit hole. But the police unions don't want their power to be checked. They do not. So they're going to support the person who will overlook and say law and order over and over again and tweet that shit and not do a goddamn thing. And that is not helping the American people. That is not helping good cops. That's not ensuring that cops get better training. That's not ensuring that cops don't have to deal with situations that they are not equipped to deal with. Welfare checks, mental health checks, things like that. They need either training to de-escalate or someone there who has the capacity to do, do such things. And Trump's not going to do a, anything on that front, anything on that front. There's no reforming or reimagining policing. But Biden is by no means trying to defund the police. That's a fucking lie. He wants to invest more into a better policing system, which I'm actually for. Like this debate, if you really break it down, has got me more supportive of Biden. And I'm surprised by that. That this fucking dumpster fire has shed some light on some prag pragmatism by the Biden administration. And maybe it's all bullshit and they're just doing their song and dance to get to get uh, support here. But it seems like what they're what they're what they're talking about and the ideas that he's bringing forward whenever he can without Trump interrupting is it seems very palatable to the majority of the American people. And I think that this is moving it may not seem like it based on the polls, but it just seems like this is moving in a very Biden direction. The moderators well, and I want to get to another subject, which is the issue of protests in many cities that have turned. Let's just keep let's just keep moving here. Yeah, let's just keep moving. Um, uh, the protest piece was just it, it was it wasn't even worth watching. It was so stupid. Um, but this has been something that's come up uh, and been really, really interesting to see. Really interesting to see how this has played out because Trump's view on white supremacy. You have repeated. Man, I'm having a hard time with these videos. So Trump, and the popular narrative is that Trump refused to denounce white supremacy. Now, I didn't get to watch the debate fully until the day after the debate. So I'd already seen all the headlines. Trump doesn't denounce white supremacists. Trump doesn't denounce white supremacists. Um, and you remember the Charlottesville situation and the narrative was that he didn't denounce white supremacy. But if you watch the full clip, he did denounce white supremacists, right? 
So that's kind of like, I was like, oh, this is another one of those things was taken out of context. Same thing as what you'll see here with Biden saying that Antifa is an idea, right? Biden didn't say that Antifa was, he said those words. He said that Antifa is an idea, but he was saying that Trump's FBI director said that Antifa was an idea, not an organization. Antifa is becoming an organization. I think it's here today, gone tomorrow. I don't think it's going to have legs to stand on in the same way that white supremacy does. And I don't think it's as problematic in the long term as white supremacy has been and will continue to be. But that's neither here nor there. I guess it is here. But <laughs> but this is interesting because he he really fucking blew this like what a goddamn idiot so let's just let's 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 just get into this real here real quick repeatedly criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out antifa and other left-wing extremist right. groups but are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in kenosha and as we've seen in portland sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it well, i go would ahead, say sir. i would say oh my okay so he's going to defer to the left here here's what you say donald trump in this moment are you willing to uh, i'm chris wallace uh, mr trump are you willing to co uh, condemn white supremacists and now i'm donald trump uh yeah motherfucker i am i condemn all forms of white supremacy Full stop. You're done. That's it. That's the clip. It's going on Fox News. It's going everywhere. But instead, you're going to say, well, Antifa's worse. What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what do you, oh, what do you my want? God. I'm, I'm willing also to do anything I want to see. Also admitting that <laughs> white supremacists is a pretty right wing thing. <laughs> Well, Peace. then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white supremacists and white supremacists. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. What? Proud boys stand back and stand by? What? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? Stand back and stand by? They're going to put that shit on their fucking Proud Boys t-shirts. Dude. You just got lobbed a softball. And the conservatives are now pissed because Chris Wallace didn't give you an opportunity? Because you were debating him too? Are you serious here, dude? What? Wow. Wow. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right-wing problem. His this own is a left-wing. This said, is a left-wing problem. Listen to this. His own FBI director. You can't really hear it very well because Trump doesn't shut the fuck up. But listen to how Biden says. This is, where, this is the part where he says Antifa is just an idea. Listen to the whole thing. White supremacist. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not militia. That's what oh, his really? FBI his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, you know what? No, no, no we're, done, we're done, sir. Everybody, we're moving on to the next. We're moving on to the next. That's not an idea. Everybody Antifa in your administration tells you the truth is a bad, a bad idea. Can I tell you what? You have no idea. Antifa, Antifa is a dangerous radical group. All right, gentlemen, group. we're now moving on to the Trump. Yeah, so that's getting taken out of context. Uh, now, I don't think that Antifa, I think Antifa is definitely more than an idea. Um... 
you're just gonna be, I'm gonna be hard pressed to say that it's a more of an issue uh, if you think about historically and <laughs> where things are going than white supremacist groups and white white supremacist militia organizations. Um, I don't think that Antifa is that organized, but because it is an idea, ideas are where everything starts. The United States was an idea once upon a time, and here we are in this epic shit show. So just to think ideas are more dangerous than people oftentimes. So even if Antifa is just an idea, quote unquote, an idea, it's still dangerous. Okay. Ideas are dangerous. Like that's, that's how it goes. Like Nazism was an idea. Okay. So things can go bad. Ideas are in, and ideas are very contagious. Especially when people are radicalized, like right now. Antifa is very dangerous. Antifa is not good. Antifa burns down fucking buildings. I get it. Right-wing agitators, also not good. Right? 17-year-old kids with ARs running around shooting people, not good. Not good. The people trying to punch a kid with an AR, also not good. Lots of not good stuff here. None of it's good. Okay? Saying which one is worse or better, not appropriate. They're both fucking terrible. Okay? Would you rather have uh, gonorrhea or AIDS? They both suck. Okay, that's the, that's what we're having a conversation. There, he said, uh, basically, Chris Wallace says, uh, Mr. Trump, would you uh, say that AIDS is not good? And he is like, well, gonorrhea is worse. And Biden's like, well, gonorrhea is just an idea. It's, they're both bad. Okay, just don't just just stay away from both of them. They're bad. You don't want them. You don't want them. But Jesus, fuck, this is out of control. Out of control. So with that, with the with the race clusterfuck, let's move on to climate change. Climate change, climate change. We are getting really warm. Forest fires in the West are raging now. They have burned millions of acres. They have displaced hundreds of thousands of people. When state officials there blame the fires on climate change, Mr. President, you said, I don't think the science knows. Over your four years, you have pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord. You have rolled back a number of Obama environmental records. What do you believe about the science of climate change, and what will you do in the next four years to confront it? I want crystal clean water and air. I want beautiful, clean air. We have now the lowest carbon. If you look at our numbers right now, we are doing phenomenally. But I haven't destroyed our businesses. Our businesses aren't put out of commission. If you look at the Paris Accord, it was a disaster from our standpoint. And people are actually very happy about what's going on because our businesses are doing well. Just look how he frames that. What do you believe about climate change? Doesn't answer the question. I want clean air and clean water. And I want business to boom, and I don't want there to be any regulations. Huh? What? That doesn't make any fucking sense. I want clean air and water. Um, okay. Can you answer the fucking question, please? What do you believe about climate change? Oh, wait. Most of your base is fucking full of idiots who don't think this shit is real. And the idiocracy within this 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 rant that he goes on has no bounds. Has no bounds. Well, as far as the fires are concerned, you need forest management in addition to everything else. The forest floors are loaded up with trees, dead trees that are years old, and they're like tinder. 
and leaves and everything else, you drop a cigarette in there, the whole forest burns down. You've got to have forest management. What do you You've believe? Got to have cuts. What do you believe about the science of climate change? Okay, we're going to go into this forest thing, and I was going to try and wait, but I can't. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. This is so stupid. The forest floors are covered in leaves and dead trees. Okay, I spent 14 days this month, okay, the month of September, sleeping in the fucking woods. All right? I'm pretty well acquainted with what the forest floor looks like in the beautiful state of Colorado. All right? What he's talking about is deadfall and blowdown. Dead trees that have fallen down and trees that have been blown over by the wind. Here's how this happens, okay? On a cycle, there's something called beetle kill. All right, so beetles that eat trees kill a lot of trees. Those trees die, and they get blown over, and they create, essentially, the opportunity for a furnace to be created whenever a forest fire inevitably happens from lightning or a cigarette or a stray fire or anything, whatever. Whatever causes it, yeah, okay, that goes up. What the fuck do you propose we do with deadfall. Because let me give you some numbers real quick because I looked this up last night. Because a beetle kill is a problem. Beetle kill is a problem. Okay? But beetle kill and the beetle populations and the impact the beetles have on killing these trees is related to the climate. Okay? It's a cli- their environment is very climate dependent. And now let's look at some numbers real quick. Okay? There's like 24 million acres of national forest in Colorado. 20% of the trees have been killed by beetles since 1996. 20% of 24 million acres. Did I say thousand earlier? I meant million. 24 some odd million acres within Colorado alone. And this goes all the way from Canada to Mexico, from Alaska, excuse me, Alaska to Mexico. Okay. What do you propose we do about that? That's climate-related beetle kill that creates all these downed trees that you're talking about. And the leaves? You mean pine needles, you fucking moron? Like, what do you... You're going to go in there and vacuum the forest? Do you know how many people and how much money it would take to go in and chop up all the deadfall and cut down all the dead trees and load them up and take them out? Where would they take them? What would they do with them? This is the dumbest shit. The forest man, this is the dumbest shit that makes absolutely no sense. Let's continue. Change, sir. Uh, I believe that we have to do everything we can to have immaculate air, immaculate water, and do whatever else we can that's good. You know, we're planting a billion trees, the Billion Tree Project. And it's Shut very the fuck up. I believe that, that human pollution, gas, greenhouse gas emissions contributes to the global warming of this planet? I think planet. a lot of things do, but I think to an extent, yes. I think to an extent, yes. But I also think we have to do better management of our forests. Every so year, I get the call, California's burning. California's burning. If that was cleaned, if that were, if you had forest management, good forest. This motherfucker has never set foot in a national forest, ever, ever, especially off the fucking beaten path where all this stuff actually happens. Management, you wouldn't be getting those calls. You know, in Europe, they live their forest cities. They're called forest cities. They maintain their forests. They manage their forests. I was with the head of- I'm pretty sure he's talking about Ewoks from the uh, Star Wars movies. I think that he's gotten Europeans mixed up with the Ewoks 
uh, the little fuzzy creatures from, I think, the second Star Wars movie from back in the day. So, no, um, I don't think that there's very many tree cities uh, that Europeans are living in uh, or, or forest cities, whatever the fuck he's saying. Um, I, th- I really think that he has gotten them mixed up with Ewoks um, from Star Wars. Of a major country, it's a forest city. He said, sir, we have trees that are far more, they, they ignite much easier than California. There shouldn't be that problem. I spoke with the governor about it. I'm getting along very well. Do you think that the climate in Europe is the same as California at all? Is that an apples to apples comparison? No, that is fucking stupid. So stupid. Well with the governor, but I said, you know, at some point you can't every year have hundreds of thousands of acres of land just burned to the ground. But sir, That's but, burning down because of a lack of But management. sir, if you believe in the science of climate change, why have you rolled back the Obama clean power plan, which limited carbon emissions in power plants? Why have you relaxed? Because it was driving fuel, energy prices through the sky. Why have you relaxed fuel economy standards that are going to create more pollution from cars Well, not really, because what's happening is the car is much less expensive and it's a much safer car, and you're talking about a tiny difference, and then what would happen, because of the cost of the car, you would have at least double and triple the number of cars purchased. We have the old slugs out there that are 10, 12 years old. If you did that, the car would be safer, it would be much cheaper by $3,500. No, but you would take a lot of cars off the market because people would be able to afford a car. Now, so, and by the way, we're going to see how that turns out. But a lot of people agree with me, many people. So he thinks that by having um, regulations on emissions, it's increasing the price of the car so much that now cars are unaffordable or unaffordable. So say, let's just use like a uh, lower price car. Maybe you think, oh no, if that car that's $35,000 was now $30,000 because somehow emission standards increase the, because, because car manufacturers are, are, lack so much creativity. They lack so much technology and funding and they can't figure out how to have a, a, le- a lower emissions car that it costs an extra $5,000 or so. So if the car was $35,000 and you couldn't afford it, but now it's $30,000, you can already so- somehow afford it. And to think that, again, like pharmaceutical companies, do you think that, that the, the savings that the car manufacturers have are going to directly translate to the consumer? You think they won't just eat up that profit themselves? What fucking fantasy world do you live in? This is Reagan-era trickle-down fucking idiocracy. This is so beyond stupid that it's hard for me to listen to this thing in entirety. The car has gotten so expensive because they have computers all over the place for an extra little bit of gasoline. And and, and, And I'm okay with electric cars, too. I think I'm all for electric cars. I've given big incentives for electric cars. But what they've done in California is just crazy. Vice President Biden, I'd like you to, to respond to the president's climate change record. But I also want to ask you about a concern. You proposed $2 trillion in green jobs. You talk about new limits, not abolishing, but new limits on fracking, ending the use of fossil fuels to generate electricity by 2035, and zero net emission of greenhouse gases by 2050. The president says a lot of these things would tank the economy and cost millions of jobs. He's absolutely wrong, number one. Number two, 
If, in fact, when, when our, during our administration, the Recovery Act, I was able to, I was in charge, able to bring down the cost of renewable energy to cheaper than or as cheap as coal and gas and oil. Nobody's going to build another uh, uh, coal-fired plant in America. No one's going to build another oil-fired plant in America. They're going to move to renewable energy, number one. Number two, we're going to make sure that we are able to take the federal fleet and turn it into a fleet that's run on their electric vehicles, making sure that we can do that. We're going to put 500,000 charging stations and all of the highways that we're going to be building in the future. We're going to build an economy that, in fact, is going to provide for the ability of us to take four million buildings and make sure that they, in fact, are weatherized in a way that, in fact, will, they'll, they'll emit significantly less gas and oil because the heat will not be going out. There's so many things that we can do now to create thousands and thousands of jobs. We can get to net zero in terms of energy production by 2035, not only not costing people jobs, creating jobs, creating millions of good-paying jobs, not 15 bucks an hour, but prevailing wage by having a new infrastructure that, in fact, is green. And the first thing I will do, I will rejoin the Paris Accord. I will join the Paris Accord because with us out of it, look what's happening. It's all falling apart. And talk about someone who has no, no relationship to, with foreign policy. Brazil, the rainforests of Brazil are being torn down, are being ripped down. More, more carbon is absorbed in that rainforest than every bit of carbon that's emitted in the United States. Instead of doing something about that, I would be gathering up and making sure we had the, com the countries of the world coming up with $20 billion and say, here's $20 billion, stop, stop tearing down the forest. And if I like that a lot, I like that a lot, actually. If you don't, finish. then you're going to have significant economic consequences. What about, consequences what about the argument that? All right, so we'll cut that off there. I think that's that's pretty much the substance before they go into just dissolve into chaos. I just want you to listen to that. Right, Trump's talking about the forest floor having leaves, and we need to clean up the leaves. And Joe Biden is talking about um, creating jobs by building more efficient buildings, the buildings that are coming up, turning charging stations into part of the highway construction projects that are going on and rebuilding the infrastructure, having that be an integral part. I think you could probably involve a company like Tesla in that, get some of that, um, you know, some of that industry help into making that happen because it benefits them as well. So there's a great area for some, um, some uh, cooperation between the government and the private industry. So, there's a lot there. I mean, and then Trump goes on to say, and this it's it's too fucking noisy to even play it for you guys. But he goes on to say, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna tear down and rebuild the Empire State Building." That is such an exaggeration and such a silly ass statement. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Maybe we go into the Empire State Building and I don't know, change the windows out to make it more efficient, change the heating and AC out to make it more efficient. That sounds like it makes a little bit of fucking sense. But like, what Biden is saying actually makes sense. It actually makes sense. We need to the conservatives need to wrap their fucking heads around the fact that coal and oil are not exactly jobs of the future. Being a truck truck driver is not a job of the future. That is just not where this is going. It is inevitable. You can kick the can down the road with your fucking lobbyists if you want, but it's just not where it's going. Okay? It's not how it's going. As soon as there's a truck, a four-wheel drive truck that is electric, that is worth buying, I'm moving that direction. Cuz I need a truck. Okay, but that, I mean, it's where we're going, dude. Can we not just fucking get there?
Put in the charging stations. Make things more efficient. No more coal and oil plants. We are one of the most, one of the things that free market capitalists talk about all the time and libertarians is how innovative we are and how innovative we can be and how this market creates innovation, but we're not so innovative that we can't find a way to use renewable energy. Are you fucking serious? Do you not understand how massive of a contradiction that is? We are absolutely the most innovative country in the world that we can be leaders in creating, using renewable energy for so many fucking reasons and fracking, by the way, you may not know this, but I grew up in the oil and gas industry. Okay. Now fracking does a lot of things and I don't want to get into all the details, but there's different ways you can drill oil wells. Sometimes you drill straight down. And then several years ago, they created a horizontal drilling. So you essentially, the way that it's set up is you have, you know, the earth crust here and there's neutral, there's minerals in that crust. It runs horizontal like everything else. Right. So if you have this zone, it's called the zone where the oil is right. That's a, a formation that holds oil. You can drill straight down into it, suck it up like a straw. Right. And what you would do is you would perforate that hole or that pipe and blast chemicals, high pressure chemicals out to break all that structure up. So you could absorb more oil. That's what fracking does. If you're doing that in a perpendicular fashion, Right. So here's your zone. So you have earth, dirt, whatever, groundwater, a little deeper, you have oil. Okay. You would perforate that. You would blast it open with fracking and you would absorb it in horizontal. The fracking goes horizontal. Now, when the drilling is horizontal like this, right? Okay. So now you've got pipe laid this way, horizontal to the ground and you've got groundwater. And you've got earth here, right? So you're drilling horizontal, which is how they do it now. You can go different directions. A lot of times they'll go eight different directions. If you see an offshore rig, it's going an offshore drilling rig. It's moving in multiple directions. So they're really getting as much oil as they can out of that zone. Now, if you're drilling horizontal and you perforate and frack, you're fracking up and down. You're not fracking left and right. So when you do that, you frack into fucking groundwater. How do people, it's, it's not that, comp, you can, there's, there needs to be heavy, heavy regulation on fracking because fracking is fucking dangerous. It's dangerous chemicals. It's a dangerous and toxic way to extract oil. Again, we can innovate a better way. If there is an incentive if you, were, if you place massive restrictions on fracking, that oil and gas companies are spending $100 million a day on research for new uh, oil. They can divert $30 million a day and to figure out new ways to frack that are less toxic and less dangerous for people that aren't involved. So think about that. There's different ways. Does fracking need to go away completely and entirely? No. Does it need to be safer? Absolutely. Absolutely. But with the special interests of energy involved in our, in our government, and no one wants to bring this up. How is this not a topic? Campaign finance reform. Campaign finance reform. If the fucking oil industry and the energy industry is paying for politicians, none of this shit is going to change. You try and pass a Green New Deal type situation, it'll get fucking destroyed because all the conservatives and a lot of the Democrats are paid for by fucking ExxonMobil. No one wants to bring that shit up. So yes, fracking is one of these things where, where we can innovate ourselves into a better situation. Okay? 
Like we can we we can do a we can do a better job with fracking. We can innovate ourselves into a better situation with fracking, but we don't want to confront the elephant in the fucking room because that's how politicians get elected. That is how politicians get elected, and it is just insane. But I do something else about this Brazilian rainforest thing. Twenty billion isn't that much money, right? Twenty billion to give it to Brazil and these other countries that are deforest, de- de- deforesting, deforestizing the rainforest is incredibly important. And they're doing it for palm oil. They're doing it for a variety of reasons. They're doing it because of capitalism. Okay, so to gather and and, and crowdsource money to give these people and say, hey, listen, motherfuckers, you stop doing this. Here's this money. We're paying you to stop. And if you start it again, we're going to fuck you up economically. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. That is very assertive. And, uh, you know, I don't know where that money's going to go. We have to be really on top of it. But can't have some backwards-ass fucking bullshit deforestation so people can have palm oil. Like, suck a bag of dicks, dude. No, absolutely not. Those rainforests are beautiful. I've been in them. They're amazing. Holy shit. That stuff, and just like burning them. I know people who live in them are just trying to do the best they can. I don't really fault the people who are doing it, to be honest with you. Same way with poachers and things like that. Like poaching is, is something I'm very passionate about stopping and, and, and would like to actually get more involved in that. But the people who are actually doing the poaching are just trying to survive. And they're a bit desensitized to rhinos and whatever the hell, uh, hell else they're killing. Just like people who live in the rainforest, that's just normal day-to-day. And it seems so big and so expansive that you could take a little chunk of it and it's not that big of a deal. Just like throwing one piece of trash out of your car when you're driving doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it adds up. And littering is really bad. Don't do that. Don't be an asshole. But, um, yeah, I think I actually like I like that idea. I like that idea. Now, Biden says he doesn't agree with the Green New Deal and he likes the Biden plan, but they sound very similar. Oh, but that is pretty much, that's pretty much where it ended. So that was, that was the debate. That was, uh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So let me just, uh, I don't even know what to say anymore. This has been quite the show. But, um, yeah, fuck. Because that's it. That was That was the debate. I want to transition to something to think about, but I just don't think it that we don't, we don't need to. There's so much to think about within 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 the debate situation. So that being said, let's start phasing this thing out, y'all. That was that was the debate. Make your mind up. Think for yourself. This is a weird year. Trump's got COVID. Maybe he won't even be in the election. Maybe this will all be irrelevant because Trump will be in an ICU bed somewhere. <laughs> God damn! What a fucking trip! What a fucking trip! Well, y'all, you know I love you. You know I'm here for you. Make sure to check out the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash Connor Wanders. You can just search me on there. $4.50 a month, ad-free episodes, bonus content. Once we get to 100 subscribers, we're throwing a bonus episode in every week. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you dig this show, share it on social media. Let me know. Tag me. Tag me up in it. Oh, man. Well, Be safe out there. And as always, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time.